0: Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK.
2: Yo, what's happening Rush Nation? It is Monday night and I'm here with a member of the family who's decided to keep me company uh, this week. Um, get some of the business out of the way. First of all, guess away for why video has not gone out. This global outage. I did put this on Twitter, stopped this from recording earlier, um, which means I wasn't able to get that recorded. I'm going to get it done after this. We'll get it out, and it will be out. Um, the article is out. The podcast will hopefully be out tonight. This podcast, if you're listening to this, you would you can ignore that. All of it would have gone out by that point. Um, but if you're watching this on the live stream, then, you know, we, we are getting it out. The article's up. You can see it on the – if you go on the five-yard feed, or will go <clears throat> straight to the five-yard rush uh website fiveyrush.uk, the waiver wire article is out along with some other articles that dropped today with the college guys and dynasty guys. So it's all been uh very busy, but this global outage has affected us as affected millions of people across the globe. But whilst we're waiting for WhatsApp and, and everything else to to come back online, come sit with us, uh, ask us some questions. Uh we're gonna keep it going. And um, before I introduce uh, the member of the family who's joining me today, just got to do uh, got to do some business, pay some bills. And today's show is, you know it, it's brought to you by Manscaped. And if you like looking after your balls, our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, want you to shave your pubes with the Tom Brady of ball trimmers. And the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0 is for the greatest balls of all time. That is yours. When you're going towards the end zone, make sure you use the right tools for the job and choose Manscaped. Myself and over 2 million men worldwide, trust them. So join the movement and use the code 5yard at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. That's the code 5yard for 20% off plus free shipping. And I promise you, it is well worth the investment with the skin guard technology with the 4000k light. Everything will make sure that you are protecting your most valuable assets and make sure that you have the closest shave possible and that you're well trimmed and well groomed below the belt and i know that your significant others will appreciate that as well so check it out manscape.com as i mentioned today's guest uh nathan's in the house here from the five yard idp podcast i wanted to bring on some family here um and and talk about week four because it was a bit crazy but nave you've never been on the flagship so welcome Welcome friend and family member, brother, I don't know what annotation <laughs> we're going to go with, let's go with brother, why not? Go uh, with brother. How, how, are, how are things, my brother?
1: Well, yeah, things are good, thanks for having me on. Um, it's been a bit of a, it was a bit of a random weekend for me, it was a heavy weekend, I've had a um, get together with some friends, uh, that the first time since the lockdown, that that we'd all seen each other, which resulted in quite a bit more drinking than we wanted to and um it resulted in me losing my wallet so to yes yeah yesterday yesterday was cancelling cards and uh today was feeling sorry for myself pretty much so i'm glad to be on here put it that way
2: yeah that's no good my man and like (laughs) it's always worse like that's the worst outcome of a night out people say it's when you spend more money than you should have done No, no 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 when you don't you have to go and cancel all your cards and you have to go through all that rigmarole there's a far worse result than having spent 250 quid and only else so
1: (laughs) absolutely it's (laughs) been an absolute nightmare
2: i've got this to come so i'm i'll be moving house probably in the next six weeks and i'm gonna have to go through that rigmarole of changing my address everywhere once that's done and I, i i'm not looking forward to it but no one cares about these um these problems they're here to talk about their own problems and and fantasy football um before we get into week four because it was an interesting week um you obviously head up the the idp podcast so for those who perhaps subscribe to the feed or watching this live haven't listened to the idp podcast or perhaps have never played idp give a little bit of breakdown as to what uh the idp pod is why people should play idp and yes yeah, sell it this is the time Sell. Yeah. Let's, sell IDP. let's get more than three percent of the fantasy football community by <laughs> IDP.
1: so if i just cover it off from my it's my sort of story really so i got i got into fantasy football about seven years ago um is one of my my best friends he's a big atlanta falcons fan um we're going saturday by the way um but uh yeah so we i started following them originally um with one eye on trying to find my own team to support and it didn't take me long to fall in love with the Minnesota Vikings and it was all based on their defense really. Um, the next year I got into fantasy football and realized quite quickly that the best the players that I like the most I couldn't pick them up because we weren't playing IDP it was you know that side of things and well well, I think we were on flea Flicker back then or I can't remember oh, what we were on wow. oh no, yeah, it was awful um but when we transferred over, that was our chance to change things up a bit, so we went i d p um and that's it from that point on all the i say fifty percent of the leagues that I play in now are i d p leagues um uh that that made just just made a huge difference to what we were doing because even in that first two years everybody was there was only six of us so the league was limited anyway to those core kind of players obviously now it's growing a bit bit further um but we but after that I then got more and more involved in IDP and followed lots of people on Twitter and on accounts and obviously uh, yourself um and then and then and then got in touch with you guys and said look I'm thinking about really getting into fantasy football and and the IDP side of things and doing something a bit different come up with a IDP plus scoring um, where I was playing so many different IDP leagues with all different types of scoring and talking about it was was a problem because one player would be doing okay in one league and not so well in the other so actually saying you know a player was a top performer you couldn't commit to that without having to put a a cover note every time saying, you know, depending on your scoring. So hence the reason for IDP plus, and then we created the leagues. We've got a lot of players playing that and then built the podcast and went from there. Um, There's some great guys out there on Twitter for the IDP world now. Um, And it is, it is growing massively. We, you know, We've just gone from strength to strength with it, so you know. It, it, for me, it's just a straightforward add-on. If you, you know, if you're doing well in fantasy football and you're enjoying what you're doing, and you haven't tried playing the IDP format and adding those extra players, you know, it, it just seems like a bit of a next step. Or, or, you know, even if you don't, if you don't like it, you don't like it. I'm not one of these people that says you've got to do it, but it's it, it is one of those things. If you haven't, I'm like, well, why? give it a go it's just just another set of players and another you know it's very interesting to talk about the linemen when you're talking about sacks and pressures edge rushers when you're talking about you know those those outside linebackers um and it's just it's just good fun to link all that together and to talk about it
2: yeah i completely agree there's some great uh idp leagues uh out there the, the ones i can immediately think of at the top of my head that i play in um, Simo, the commissioner, was on the game show week one and is part of Fiverr College. He runs the BFFL. That is a very interesting uh, format where it actually rewards DBs significantly higher than other quote-unquote standard IDP leagues. So linebackers and, and DBs far more important than linemen. Linemen actually pretty much a, an afterthought in that sort of format, um, which is good. I think it, it adds an extra dimension uh to it. Uh I, I think of my friend Peter again in um Germany who runs what is arguably the craziest league and, and you know me, I run crazy leagues. He he runs a league called um called Shark Tank and it is sing, single handedly the most bizarre. I mean that's an IVP haven of difficulty and it's a brilliant league. Um and we you know you mentioned you're doing them. we've got a we've always had an idp list a league i always feel it's a very important part of the game because it does help you get into the a better understanding of the game like my knowledge of the game has come on tenfold because of playing IDP over the last ten plus years but it is as you say the biggest challenge is the scoring there isn't a universal scoring like in regular fantasy football where it's PPR or half point, which hardly anyone ever plays. It's just really for ranking purposes or standard. And that's really, it's like, well, okay, it's PPR or standard. Whereas IDP, it's like, well, how many points is a sack worth? How many points is a, do you do passes defended? You know, one of of the things I remember you and I went backwards and forwards on was um, quarterback hits because quarterback hit is is a subjective metric. Um, Some sites will class uh, a quarterback hit as a hit and some won't. It depends on the level of pressure of the hit and where it was, what part of the body. So, I, you know, I, I you know, I said I'm, it's a bit of a subjective metric because it's not standard across the board. Depending on where you get that information, will depend on the scoring. <clears throat> so, which leads it, I think, to be a bit awkward, but <clears throat> it's an interesting format. So, I love it, but let's get on to um, – we can mention some IDP players as we go through this, but let's cover off week four because it was it was crazy. I remember watch. I was watching this last night, and I was watching uh, the first couple of hours of Red Zone, and I don't know what it is at the moment. I kind of feel like the afternoon, the first slate of games, it lacks – I said this last week with Bob. I said this the week before – There isn't that much... I mean, to be fair, the Jets and the Titans game did produce that. It produced that drop. That took a long time, that game, to get going. But once it got going, it was great. But, you know, you've got Washington. um, Washington and Falcons was pretty good, actually. But the Bills blowing out um, the the Texans. You had um, the Colts blowing out the, the Dolphins. You had a lot of games that were just a bit like, meh. And then you get the evening games. And then that was where all the heavy hitters kind of came in but I do find at the moment I don't know what it is like I'd love to see some really good games in that in that six o'clock window because I just find at the moment it's it's like it's it's like the starter isn't it it's kind of like yeah it's good like I'm getting into this but really it's the 925 or the 425 window that's when it's like okay this is like the big boys have come out the play this is the main course and then Sunday night, Monday football. But even Thursday night football the last few weeks has been pretty pretty good. There's been some really good games on Thursday night football. So it's, it's interesting. But um, what would you say, right, if we're recapping this for people, the three things that really surprised you this week in in week four, given what we know about teams now, we've had a month of, of looking at them. What were some things that you just didn't expect in, in week four that happened from a fantasy perspective?
1: Um, I suppose, I mean, one thing that really got me was the Titans' use of um at times during the game. I don't know whether you really picked up on it. I, I, I know they've got to rest him from time to time, but they spent a lot of time in good scoring positions with him off the field. I'm not if I if I was a if I was a Titans fan I would get that would really get my go I mean I really picked up on him because I got I had him in a few leagues and you know obviously when he's off the field do you think to suffer oh. um, but yeah I, I felt that they had a chance to to get out of sight at some stages in that game and to really push on but you know they they kept when the Jets were close they they stayed in it and and you know it was great to see Zach make the throws that he made towards end on towards the end of the game. Yeah.
2: And I, and I thought it was more bizarre, given the fact there was no Julio Jones and no A.J. Brown. Yeah. So it was like, okay, so your whole offense is effectively Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, and then you're relying on uh, Nick Westbrook and uh, Chester Rogers. Yeah. And, and Fir- I think Ferks was out. Like, you've got nothing. Like, and when you that situation, you've got the best running back in football. What? Yeah, it's like you say. For me, off Derek Henry should have carried the ball forty times. <laughs> like he should have just and like. And if you're not going to play him, then play McNichols.
1: Yeah, I like McNichols, and <clears throat> you know, but yeah. I I quite like him. Why not put him on the pitch at the same time for that point? Yeah. Of you? Just to take Derek off the pitch straight away, you could see the Jets go. Okay, well that's you know, I, I'm Tannehill last season. I remember a lot of quarterback sneaks and stuff like that. They, he just doesn't seem to be doing the same thing. But that that seems to. Uh, carry on with, with Henry off the field, they can't use that anymore because everybody was expecting it to go to Henry. And if he's not on the field, well... Uh, I, I, here's how you beat the Titans,
2: right? It's really, really simple game plan. What you do, if AJ Brown isn't playing, you just stack the box. You stack the box completely and you say to Tannehill, off you go. Because this season, he just doesn't look up to it. I, I think he's been he's been pretty pretty poor uh, as as a Seven quarterback. Seven current Yes. I mean, and that offensive line has never been brilliant, but it's it. what he was always doing was was proving elusive. I mean, he's he's quarterback uh, 16 so far. He's going to get passed by Herbert and and Carr, we would expect tonight. So he's really looking at quarterback 18 uh, in, in fantasy football and to be honest, that's about right. I think he has been pretty, pretty average. So yeah, it was strange to see Henry not get as much usage as you would expect. I think the jets dealt with him really well. I think we've got to give some credit that, you know, um, Robert Sala really did. They really stopped him from, from penetrating and getting those big, big plays. They let let him have his four or five yards. They let him have a couple of plays where he got, but he he struggled to, to do those, uh, those big breakaway runs that we kind of see in the fourth quarter. Um, from the traditional Derrick Henry, It's always been in the second half when defenses are tired, pressuring. But didn't happen yesterday. And the AFC South is the 2021 uh, version of the 2020 AF- uh, NFC East because I tell you what, all four of those teams look pretty, pretty poor right now uh, for different reasons. I thought it was something that really shocked me this week, given what happened last week with the Buccaneers, <clears throat> and I appreciate Bill Belichick obviously knows Brady better than anyone else. But I was really surprised by how poor the Buccaneers were in the red zone. When you think of all the weapons that they have, and everyone, with the exception of Gronk, was essentially fit, it shows me how important Gronk is to this team. And it seems like an obvious thing to say, like he's Gronkowski, he's one of the best of all time. But it's interesting when he is not there, how one-dimensional that offense is in in the red zone. Because the Buccaneers got down there a lot; they made a lot of third-down conversions. They did all the right things. And then again, inside the, the 10, then inside the 20, and they just look clueless. And, you know, I've never seen the Buccaneers settle for so many field goals. I mean, we're going back to old school. Buccaneers couldn't move the football, just taking field goals and and, and hoping that's enough. And it was a bit of a throwback game. And I, I was just surprised that Godwin wasn't really overly involved. Um, they tried to get AJ, um, Antonio Brown involved late. They clearly saw a matchup there and they were targeting that to try and win the game. Evans was was heavily covered because he is the red zone threat. I just didn't see a plan B. They didn't look good running the ball in the red zone. They didn't look I mean, they look good running the ball elsewhere, which is an improvement on previous weeks, but I'm a bit I'm a bit concerned looking at that red zone offense as to what is going on because that was the difference between Brady week one, week two versus Brady week three, week four. You know, we had nine touchdowns in those first two weeks, and a lot of them came inside the red zone. Uh, forward and went to Gronk and it it just seems to me that if he is not in that if he's not playing I mean it it looks like Godwin's not getting any love down there at all it looks like AB's going to get some it looks like Evans is going to get some I mean they even targeted break down there a couple of times which didn't shock me but it it looks like they're reluctant to try and run it in unless I mean I know Rojo got the touchdown but um, yeah I just don't think it's an interesting one for me I just I'm a little concerned that they're struggling there yeah. because especially if you're the fantasy owners of someone like Evans, Evans relies on that red zone production in order to be a top 15 fantasy football wide receiver. Cause he's so boom on bust. Um, yeah. And he relies on touchdowns. Touchdowns is what keeps him, you know, well up, well up the tallies and he needs those 10 touchdowns a season really to, to keep on pace. I just don't I don't see if they're gonna struggle down there. I i, I you know, I, I'm kinda of looking at the, the Bucks wide receivers now and thinking I and I said this in before the season, I said I, I just don't want Paul Godwin because you can get A B five rounds later and he is like Godwin light and he basically yeah, yeah. is. But I'm a bit bit concerned as Mike Evans owner that if they can't get that going in the red zone, he yeah, is really can really plummet it quickly. So that's one to, to keep an eye on. Anything else kind of catch your eye that really sort of surprised you in, in week four?
1: Um, I suppose not really from the week four side of things, but just uh to this point. I'm just I am surprised how good the bills are now um on across both sides of the ball. Um and now they got they seem to get a, they've got a run game going now, which you think, okay. So if 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 all that does tie in together there, they're difficult to go against now week in, week in, week out um yeah uh yeah and and also with to go to go away not just the bills but i've got to give so i'm not i'm not a massive fan of arizona some people will know this a lot of friends i've got i've got friends that are i've got three or four really mad arizona friends and um they rub it in my face quite a bit about how great their players are and all this kind of stuff um whether it be Kyler, Hopkins, Simmons, all that kind of thing, they just think that they're. However, um, credit where credit's due. I mean, I thought that was that was impressive against the Rams. I didn't see it coming at all. Um, so yeah, for me, it would be the the Bills and Arizona two 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 teams that are are, are really doing. I, I I didn't I I didn't expect this.
2: No, I, Arizona. I'm with you. I think uh, have been terrific through four weeks. You'd argue that they are, probably have been the best team in in the NFL. Um, what I will say about Arizona is, and and I said this about Pittsburgh. The difference is Arizona have played good teams. You know, like right? the you know the way they dispatched the Rams was was emphatic. Really, when you come come to think of it, my my measure of a team. And this is where people are too always too early to crown teams. That's why I always think power rankings at this stage are a little bit mute because I want to see what they're like when they lose because they will lose and it's how quickly they, they rebound because we saw this with Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh ran off to an 11-0 and record last year playing basically the second fiddle of the NFL. They were playing pretty average teams, weren't beating many top, top teams. And then they came unstuck, and then they barely made the playoffs, went out round one to the Browns in one of the most calamitous performances I think you'll see in the playoffs for years. I mean, it was horrific. Um, giving up the touchdown on their opening possession, like with the ball going over Ben Ben Roethlisberger's heads and going for a touchdown 20 seconds into the game, and they had the ball. Like um, This is what they mean. The Steelers kind of show you, and that is the, that's where I kind of measure teams is, it's all right jumping out to a lead, but it's how you combat and come back from that. And that's why, you know, you looked at Tampa last year and no one fancied them going into the playoffs or winning the thing, but they played everyone. They'd had some difficult games. They come through some adversity. You kind of saw what they were made of. is the Packers never really faced that much adversity. Yeah. Okay. They got outplayed by the Bucks in week six, but um, other than that, you didn't really see a lot. They weren't really tested. The saints never really get tested. And then when they do, they falter that's the difference between good teams and great teams is when they get tested and face adversity, how do they rebound? And that for me is the test of Arizona right now. I think the bills have had that adversity because they lost the title game last year. They kind of a uh, uh, battle hardened through that. I think we need to see that from Arizona, but yeah, credit to them through week four. Uh, team I want to talk about oh, how how do you rate
1: the, how'd you rate the elder, uh, the chase Edmonds, um, uh, Connor one-two punch. I mean, I was, I was not a massive fan before the start of the season. I'm very dubious about it. Didn't put, put Edmund slightly above Connor um, in, in, in who I took really. Um, But, but that seems to be working well. Do you know why I
2: think it works well? I think it works well because they both are injury prone backs. And so not having as much of a workload actually helps them because they can kind of both work to their capacity and not get hurt and put in a hundred percent without running out of gas. And I think that is where uh, it's smart. Like it's smart. You're seeing more and more teams do this now that, you know, the bell cow back in, in the NFL is going to be virtually dead in the next two to five years because teams are realizing that you need two or three backs to, recycle to take the workload off because the backs that are going down are these workhorse backs you know the cmcs these are the ones that get hurt because it's too much on their shoulders david montgomery went down yesterday because they've not played anyone else uh, you know and finally damian williams comes in and, and does something and you know, this is what i mean if you have an over-reliance on one boat, this is where the browns were miles ahead of everybody else you know they signed kareem hunt when they had nick chubb everyone thought that's lunacy But actually, the way they use them is very smart. They make them both relevant. They both make big plays. And they keep them both happy and in service. And as a result, all right, I know Nick Chubb got injured last season. But even when that happens, it's next man up. You've got something there to run on. And I think it's smart. I think you'll see more teams. I mean, you've already seen more teams do this. But, I mean, like, if the Steelers lose Najee Harris, you know, they're, they're dead in the water. You know, if, you know, we see this with, with, definitely yesterday the C M C effect is is definitely hitting and no one is gonna be as good as CMC. But Chuba Habbard doesn't look half the player. And that's no disrespect to him. I mean very few players are half the player C M C is. But you know, this is what I mean. You you need to have these rotational backs in and that is gonna hurt fantasy production. But you're right. I mean I think Connor and 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 Edmunds have proved to be highly effective whilst being I mean, they've been fine. I mean, they're not going to appear on too many highlight reels, but they get the job done. And for fantasy, they've been okay. Edmonds is currently the running back 10, I think he is. Now you'd be pretty happy with their production and what they've done. Whilst it's not been show-stopping, lights-out kind of stuff, it ticks over and gets points. And that's important. Um, Something that's really sort of shocked me when I started to dig into this was, was the Bengals. And I've just been a bit curious as to the Bengals are three and one, which is an amazing turnaround considering they've won five games in two years under, under Zach Johnson. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I don't really know where they're going to go, but I am highly concerned about, I, I have quite a lot of Jamar chase. I have a bit of Joe Burrow, but I am, I am a little concerned of how this offense is, is producing right now because they're they're so efficient in the red zone. They're are they're, they're uber efficient in the red zone, but they're not getting down there enough. So their points are coming just outside the red zone or further. They're coming off these big plays. Teams will cut that off and it's, can they get enough traction in the red zone? Looks like Mixon's hurt. Looks like he's going to miss some time. Potentially. They don't really have a back that is going to, you know, we're looking at what Chris Evans maybe might do something. So my worry now with the Bengals is, I mean, I, I pulled some of the stats here. I was looking at their red zone usage, but they've had seven pass attempts inside the 20. They completed six and they've scored four TDs off them, which is ridiculous. I mean, that is just a ridiculous set of efficiency beyond all measure. And that's not sustainable. And yes, it's a small sample size, but it's the fact that, that Joe Burrow, of all the starting quarterbacks who have played four games, has the lowest amount of attempts inside the 20 that is what, he's got less attempts than Baker Mayfield, like that is a concern and if you're thinking about, you know I I look at these metrics and think, okay what does that mean? That means that there's not a lot of red zone targets going along, it's difficult to see who's going to get them, which means touchdown production becomes a little bit more random, and where's it all going to come from, and if they hit a dry spell if teams go, I mean look look at what happened in the Super Bowl right, and I always refer back to this because the back Buccaneers said, right, what we're going to do is we're going to take the big play away. You're not. You're going to let Tyreek Hill go for 200 yards. You can have 10, 15 yards outside. Fine. We'll give you 10, 15 yards to Kelsey over the middle. That's fine, because what we're going to do is we're going to get you to, you know, you might end up inside our half, but we will stop you when it's a shorter field because we'll just squeeze the pressure and we'll we'll suffocate you and force you to make a ridiculous play to score. And what happened was they didn't. And that is how I see teams are now going to start to play the Bengals. They're going to go, okay, Joe Burrow, you can have yards over the field. Fine. You can start using CJ Azuma over, uh, over the middle. Fine. Yeah, Jamal Chase, you can have a 15-yard catch outside. What we're going to do is we're going to prevent the big play. And so when you get to 30, 30 to go, 25 to go, we're going to let you see if you've got it. Now, so far, they have you know, seven inside the red zone six completed four touchdowns Says they've answered everything but they're not getting down there enough because they are relying on those big plays to score and that is not a strategy that's going to work 17 games so I'm I'm a little concerned now as Jamar Chase owner and I'm hoping it's just a case of they sort this out they get more opportunities everything goes fine but they need to get the ball down in the in the in the red zone more and they need to they need to not necessarily keep the efficiency up, but they just need to get more attempts down there um, and support the players. Because at this moment, T Higgins, Jamal Chase, they're almost outproducing their points expected because they're not getting those red zone targets. So just be a bit wary because if you're sitting there thinking of lineups week to week, Jamal Chase and T Higgins, I mean, I know T Higgins was out this week could all of a sudden really take a nosedive because teams will finally figure out how to mark these guys. How to play them in coverage and say, right, okay, you can get some yards, but we're just going to stop you from scoring in the in the red zone. And you're either going to have to do something spectacular, or you're going to have to bust the coverage. So that's yeah. the that's my thing on the on the Bengals, and that's not to panic anyone. That's not to say sell Jamal Chase now or anything like that. But it is just something to keep an eye on because if the Bengals are going to struggle to get to keep to not get the ball in the red zone. It, there's a knock-on effect that's going to come as a result of that. So you just keep an eye on it. It's not a sell one It's not, a, you need to be worried. It's just a, hopefully it will change and and the tendencies will change. And if Joe Mixon's down, it almost certainly will. But I would just, when I'm looking at my lineups every week, I'm thinking, is, is Jamar Chase the must-start that he has been up till now? Because one week or two, he's going to start blanking. I mean, he wasn't particularly great on Thursday Night Football. When it should have be been a smash matchup, but we'll go from there. Um, in terms of main learnings, right? So you, we, we're four weeks in, so we've got a good amount of data. What would you say is something that you have picked up from fantasy football that you think is is highly important to use going forward?
1: Probably for me, it would be. Um, you touched on it. I think uh, it might have even been on last week's pod or the pod before, where it was we were talking about. You were talking about flex the flex spots really Um, and whether it was time to maybe ditch maybe a couple of those running backs that might've been in that spot. Um, And this week is proven maybe the other way. Um, And I think sometimes you just got to stick with your gut a little bit on, on these kind of flex spot plays. And it's, it's just got to be mainly down to these, down to these matchups that are half decent. If you th- you've got to go with them sometimes, these players. I mean, we've got there seems to be an absolute bagful of of these fringe wide receivers that could go big, boom or bust. There seems to be lots at the moment. Um, you know, well, the whole anybody that plays for Detroit, uh, anybody that you know, you know, you've got you've got the Saints, Callaway, and players like that. I mean, you think are they anywhere near starting? And you could, be, you, you could be dropping them. Last last week, I mean, I looked at it from, if you looked at the players like James Connor, Leonard Fournette, Chase Edmonds, James Robinson, they could have been dropped by players, you know, and, and, and possibly rightly so, but they'd be kicking themselves if they did it um, because they all scored well this week. And it's just, it's just, it's just about bearing with some things at the start of the season, you know, you don't get that consistency. You do get, you know, freak, freak things. And we've got, there is a that, that, that group of teams at the moment where we don't know. They haven't even got a wide receiver one. I don't understand this year. Why? We've got so many teams where you're not quite sure who their wide receiver one is. And we're in week four and you think, you know, I'm not sure who the wide receiver one is in New Orleans. I'm not sh- sure who it is in Detroit at this moment in time. And you like look across and you think, well, putting those players in, actually, that is complete. They're complete dart throws. They are at the moment. Yeah. All of those players, and it's just uh, you know, on what I've, I've just looked at a few lineups that I've been playing against in that, and watched people just take a punt on these, and thought, you've just dropped Chase Edmonds. Oh, I don't know whether you should have done. You know, yeah,
2: kind of... I, I I agree with you. When when I made that point, and I, I I stand by it even now, is I'm not saying you should drop Chase Edmonds or you should be no. dropping these these running backs because I think they still hold a place on rosters for injuries, for situational changes, etc. And you, you make a good point on teams like Detroit, where I'd much rather have the two running backs than have any of the wide receivers, and the same in and the same in New Orleans completely agree with that in fact i'd rather have johnson over anyone but kamara really to be honest in, in new orleans but my my point is that the just the points at the position are extremely scarce so to give you an example right let's get rid of so i'm going to take the studs out i know there's a few freaks cordell patterson is the running back to in fantasy football right now and he's played a game less than most Crazy. players um yeah in ppr Right. So I'm going, to, I'm going to exclude the studs, right? And I say the studs, people went in the first two rounds of drafts, um, which kind of takes me up to Antonio Gibson is, is the running back, 15, right? And then you've got Melvin Gordon, Jamal Williams, 16, 17, Jamal, uh, Jonathan Taylor, 18, Daryl Henderson, 19, Clyde Abusola, 20, Chris Carlson, 21. Right, so we're now at 20, r 22, so you've got James Conner, Kenneth Gainwell, Leonard Fournette, Zach Moss, uh, who was a healthy scratch week one, by the way, it's been terrific since madness though he was a healthy scratch week one. Uh, Tony Potter, Mike Davis, JD McKissick, Davin, I mean, Davin Cook, Joe Mixon, who have both been hurt uh, are down there, James Robinson. My my point is I wouldn't be dropping any of these guys. In fact, I, I encourage you if J- Jake Kenneth Gainwell's still available in the three quarters of the leagues, which is madness. Um to pick him up and stash him. But I'm not sure if I'm starting Kenneth Gainwell on the average of 11.7 fantasy points per game over the likes of, you know, the, these are some guys, and you mentioned like boom or busts here. Van Jefferson has 11.9 on average fantasy points per game. like, And he's the wide receiver 35. But you could get guys right now on the waiver wire. AJ Green is is not owned in 70% of leagues plus, uh, Emmanuel Sanders isn't owned in 65% of leagues plus um, Christian Kirk, you know, all these guys have over 13 points per game on average. These are the guys I would be starting Zach Pascal, 12.2 points per game, but he's getting, he's the second most targeted red zone player in the NFL. You know, these are the sorts of players I would be starting, but that doesn't mean you should be dropping them. Yeah. But my, my point is if you're looking at stability and consistency of points, In your flex, unless you're starting the studs, the top 15 running backs, they're not going to reliably get you points on a regular basis. That's the concern because the floor is quite low, but the ceiling is capped because no team is running the ball brilliantly well, with the exception of maybe Cleveland. You know, there are teams that are struggling to run the football, there are teams that are not putting up heavy yards. I mean, New England yesterday, you know, played an entire game against the Buccaneers and had negative one rushing yard for the entire game. I mean, it's baffling. Teams are struggling to run the football in the NFL and they're struggling to do it consistently, which is why, for me, when I look at snapshares, I look at points and where they're coming from. Having wide receivers in your flex is going to give you a better opportunity to win games. Certainly going to have you a safer floor. And with the upside, it's an ultimate win win. But yeah, as you say, dropping people like Chase Evans is madness. Um, yeah. Leonard Fournette, dropping Leonard Fournette is madness. Like, you shouldn't be dropping backs. You should just stash them away. All these players are one injury away from being heavily relevant. In fact, well, I mean, Chase Evans is relevant. Anyone's dropped him. You know, he's a running back 10. Like, yeah. you're mad. But it, it's at the point where you, when you're building your lineups, if you were not, if you were like for me, any start sit that involves, I don't know, any running back that's like, or oh, do I start Zach Moss or do I start like Michael Pittman or do I start like Naheem Hines or do I start AJ Green or Jalen Waddle? Like that's not a conversation that needs to be had. Like, you always go with the wide receiver because those guys are yeah. very, very limited floor. And yes, do you know what? On the odd week, Naheem Hines might outscore uh, A.J. Green, Jalen Waddle. It might happen. It's, it's quite possible it will happen. But from a strategic standpoint, that is not going to happen often. So you always go with the play that is going to yield you the best return the majority of the time. And that's why the point is about wide receivers. So, yeah, I'm completely with you that you shouldn't be dropping these players. But, yeah, I just think...
1: Yeah, in I there. think, yeah, I, I can I can see it from that side. I think it's just that that feel where people were just le- losing a little bit of faith out of yeah. those, you know, those, like you said, running back 10, 11, 12, where you go, well, just hold on. And it's the same with people. I mean, I've even had conversations with people giving up on Barkley and Taylor. And you're like, yeah, oh, crazy, you know come on just give just give it time they will come good
2: yeah absolutely it's no time to hit panic station on on any player right now who's a running back with the exception of if they pull an injury then that's when it's time you know for me the only running back right now in fantasy football that you can give up on i think and this is a shame because someone i like is tyson williams he's probably the only one because his job is pretty much gone now um other than that, I think I think anyone you've got rostered is pretty suitable. Unless it's someone completely obscure and random. Um, like Gio Bernard, he should never be rostered to begin with. I I kind of told people that. Um, he was never gonna be a thing. Like you can drop Gio Bernard. He might eventually have a great game, but it's not gonna be a consistent production uh kind of job. He's just basically the shady McCoy replacement in Tampa. So, you know, but don't like people going to look at Damian Harris after yesterday and go, oh, I'm going to drop Damian. Don't drop Damian Harris. Just don't drop him. Like, don't play him. Don't get me wrong. If you don't feel confident, don't play him. I back you on that 100%. Don't drop him. Just keep him on your roster. You never know what might happen. Um, I agree. with you. And in fact, my point, my big learning point here goes with yours on running backs. I'm going to stick with this. Running backs we talk about this every year and we talk you know we're trying to project who the top running backs are going to be and for me it's it's now the point of the top running backs are going to be the ones that play all the games and that sounds really like oh well that sounds obvious doesn't it you play <laughs> most games you get the most points yeah i understand that's pretty obvious but my point is very few running backs going to play 17 games
1: yeah
2: like very few because they're just going down like flies there aren't many let elite backs left who haven't been injured at some point either coming off a big injury or been injured this year and I'm looking at it as like Derek Henry for me has the clear path to be the number one running back in football in PPR even though he's not going to catch many balls because he's the only one that's completely indestructible like it doesn't matter he just doesn't get injured Um he defies logic like Derek Henry is like the Tom Brady of running backs he just somehow keeps going when everyone projects he can't do it he just goes no. Nah, I'll keep going. I mean, people use you, you it like he was taken out of games. You looked at it yesterday and thought, oh, I don't think he had a good game. And you look at it, he's put up like 128 yards <laughs> rushing. You're like, I don't even think he's had a good game. 128 yards. It's, it's like baffling. And like, I look at this now and I'm looking at the top running backs in fantasy football and I genuinely believe the top six are going to be the ones that are left standing at the end of the year. And yeah. that could be DeAndre Swift. That could be Najee Harris. That could be, I mean... Aaron Jones, because of the way he's used... I mean, everyone was down on Zeke. He's running back five right now. And, and you see he's running back five right now. He's less than five points behind Cordell Patterson that's a running back two. Like, Cordell Patterson could be a top six in fantasy football just simply because he will play all the games. Because the way that his usage is locked in, he's unlikely to get overused. And, like, that is a big thing. So when people panic, when, like, oh, Sony Michel's come in and that's going to damage... Daryl Henderson. I was looking for the opposite. I was like, actually, that's a great thing for Daryl Henderson because yeah. Daryl Henderson's likely to get to the end. Of- oh, he didn't, um, but he could have been quite likely to get to the end of the season. And like, that's the point: is never fear backs coming in. You know, this is what you know, you mentioned. Chase Edmonds. The only reason Chase Edmonds is, is good right now is because James Connor's there to take some of the work. And the only reason James Connor's relevant is because Chase Edmonds is taking the majority of the work. And that is how. These running backs, these good running backs, Aaron Jones is the most efficient uh, most efficient running back in football. You know, he doesn't need a 90% workload. He is fantasy relevant and an RB1 on 50 55% of the workload. Now, the only thing I would say, people like Jonathan Taylor needs more workload. He's still struggling to get over 60% of snaps. He needs a little bit more. Not so he needs a lot more, but the reason he'll probably still be there at the end, like he was last season, is because Naheem Hines takes a lot of that workload. Um, a lot of the in between the tackles, a lot of when the game's blown out, you know, that's the kind of thing that you want to see. I, I know it's not good for your points that week, but it's better long term for your running back. So, yeah, um, that's my point. Is don't be annoyed when there is a secondary running back at at that. You know, in your team, that just means if fact, that makes me feel more confident. Like, it's it's no surprise to me that when you look at them, CPAT has Mike Davis. Aaron Jones, um, yeah, I know. CPAT has Mike Davis. I mean, who's, who would have thought that was the thing we were going to say at the start of the season? Incredible. Incredible. Oh, yeah, CPAT's the, the RB2 and he's got Mike Davis supporting him. Like, ridiculous. Aaron Jones has got support. Zeke Elliott's got Tony Pollard. John Swift has, has Jamal Williams. Kareem Hunt has Nick Chubb. Um, you know, all these guys all have some form of support and they're the ones that are starting to escalate to the top. Austin Eckler has support. Um, with Roundtree and Jackson, you know, I, this is the way fantasy football is going to be now. For these guys to be highly, they're going to just be more efficient. They're going to score more points off less plays. That's how it's going to work. So you want you want competition, not really competition, but you want guys to come in and cement because it's going to stop your guy from breaking down. So don't fear it. That's what I mean. Top six players, top seven players are going to be the ones that make it to the end. And with the exception of Derek Henry, he's just a freak of nature. They're probably going to likely have a supporting cast uh, behind them who are going to help. So that was a a big takeaway for me. Um, Let's go to some bounce back players. Because there is some people panicking you've mentioned that are extremely concerned um, on some of the performances of players right now. Um, Mentioned Jonathan Taylor. He's running back 18. He, He had not a bad weekend actually, but you know, people are a bit worried about him. Clive Hilaire is running back twenty. Um, you know, we've got some some wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins is is wide receiver twenty one in PPR. C D Lamb pretty much blanked. He's wide receiver twenty four. Um, you know, there is some there is some some people in the community panicking over players uh, right now. Um, you've got Aaron Rodgers as QB fifteen. Well, who would you predict? Is likely to come back and come back strong, who perhaps hasn't had a great first month of the season. And why do
1: you think that is? I'm um, trying to think off the top of my head. Really, I mean, there's obvious. There's, there's there's two massive candidates that are really obvious to everybody for for between week four and week five. For me, um, the big one's Kelsey. I mean, he had a real off off week last week. But if they're going to beat the Bills, they will be. Over the middle, I'm sure they will be, and it'll be it'll be definitely in play. Um, and and Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook's got the Lions next week. I mean, that should be you know that's where that's where I'm looking for my points if if, if I've got him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not sure long term wise um, this season. Nobody really jumps out at, at me. I mean, I would think. Tannehill has got to figure something out somewhere along the line. He, he, I I can't, I can't see that they won't. I mean, the Titans were decent, and he was decent. I mean, we, you know, I know you, you've probably got quite a lot of shares in him, like I have, Um, because he was decent. I, don't I, thought, no, I, thought you, uh, I thought you did because we were all picking him up like as, as this as this as your second QB thinking that he was really good value and just hasn't materialized. I'll be
2: honest. The only reason I don't is because Tom Brady was left on the board and I got him everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. That was, the only, that was the only reason is I would have done. I was prepared to have him. I ranked him pretty well, but yeah. it was just like, oh, well, Tom Brady
1: or Ryan Tannehill well I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite happy because I, 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 I had a lot of Sam Darnold. I don't know. I just went through I just went through with yeah, him. So. But yeah, I don't rushing, know. I, Russian
2: machine, Sam Darnold. Yeah.
1: I thought, well, what was the that was the common the leading rusher Oh, what one stage? Oh, uh, yeah. Major. No, he is.
2: He is the. He's got the most rushing touchdowns in football right now. <laughs> crazy.
1: Absolutely
2: not just crazy. the quarterbacks of Everybody. All players.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: He's got more rushing
1: touchdowns than Derek Henry brilliant yeah, I mean, figure. yeah amazing but yeah yeah so on bounce back I would say I would say some of these some of the QBs I mean I I, I did predict it with like Justin Fields last last week with um, people saying you know it, it, he's not gonna have that same game that he had in week three to week four because it just it, it just didn't it just didn't stack up like that he's a better he's a better QB than that and I think Tannehill is as well and I don't I don't once the players come back fit, it it will change for him. But I mean, yeah, that was disastrous the weekend for him.
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. I think um, I, I think he bounced back. I don't know what he bounces back to. I <laughs> yeah. think that's the that's the only question is I don't know what what people were kind of expecting. If you're expecting him to be on the fringes of the the RB one uh, or the QB one conversation. Then yeah, absolutely, because he's only eleven points behind Kurt Cousins, eleven half points. You go, well, yeah, that doesn't—that's not outside the realm of possibility that it'll be in that in that discussion. If you're projecting Ryan Tannehill to be a top five QB, I just don't see it. Um, But I think, I think for me, if I'm looking at QBs right now, there are there are real certain candidates here that I think will be a lot better who will jump up quite quite radically. Uh, the first one is Trevor Lawrence. Now, Trevor Lawrence uh, was someone that the people would have taken as a second QB. They'd have gone with an experienced first QB. Maybe they took a, a Matt Ryan. Maybe they took a Tannehill. Maybe they took a, a Tom Brady. And then they paired them with uh, uh, a Trevor Lawrence. And people have been fundamentally disappointed with, with Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, th- there were some signs in that week four game. He didn't turn the ball over. That's a good sign. You know, he seems to be getting up to speed they you know, We haven't seen a lot of red zone attempts uh, that he's thrown. He's only thrown 10, but he's completed six. He's got two touchdowns off them. You know, there there are some signs there that on the peripherals that things are going quite, they're improving. They're going in in the right direction there for him. So I think he's someone I would expect to bounce back. He's currently uh, QB 30. I'd expect him to jump up again. I don't think he's going to be in the QB 1 conversation, but I think he's going to usurp certainly quite a few uh, players uh, as as he starts to climb these charts a little bit, um, same can be said for Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is currently the QB twenty one. He again he rise tonight, but again I don't think people have seen. I don't think if people, if you drafted Justin Herbert expecting him to be the Justin Herbert of last year, that was never going to happen. He was always going to be in line for regression. But again, I think he's easily going to be in that 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 top twelve conversation. I think it's going to happen. I wouldn't lose faith if if I drafted him. If I'm looking at running backs, for me, you know, Trey Sermon's one that people have been fundamentally disappointed with, but every week he's getting better and every week his competition seems to be getting injured. So I think Trey Sermon is usurping the bench now, and I think he's going to rise to the top as we kind of expected. I always expect him to be a slow burner. I always expect him to be someone who's stashed on my bench through week six through week seven i think once trey lance and it looks like trey lance is going to start on sunday and it looks like he's going to keep that job if that's the case i really expect trey sermon stock to rise and given that their schedule at the end of the fantasy season i think if you've stashed him and you've been a bit worried just hold on to him because he will come good it will just take a bit more time but you know we got 89 yards on sunday it's going to continue to happen. You know, we're starting to see what we wanted to see out of Trey Sermon. And for me, he's about bang on where I thought he would be. So I'm not concerned. If anything, I'm quite encouraged. So, you know, what people th- thinking Elijah Mitchell is going to be a thing. I think he's going to be useful. And I think he'll have big games. The same way that Jeff Wilson has big games when he most of us out. But I don't I don't see Elijah Mitchell being the long-term be one of this team i think it is trey sermon they traded up to get him in the draft they knew what they were getting yes he wasn't great at camp yes he wasn't great when he started <laughs> in his nfl career not many players are guess what newsflash it happens it's called development but he's getting better every week and he's been trusted with the ball more he's getting a bigger role people you know the the naysayers will say well it's because there's no one else if yeah, that's true but it only matters like it, possession is nine terms of the law. He possesses the job because he's the only one there. And, and that means it's harder for you to rip away that job from him. They're not all of a sudden going to go, oh, Eliza Mitchell, I know you've been out for a few weeks, but here you go, here's 90% Russian share. It's not going to happen. They're going to go with a hot hand. And Trey Sermon looks good, and he's only going to get better. So I wouldn't worry if you drafted Trey Sermon uh, right now, that's for sure. Uh, you mentioned uh, – and James Robinson's another one. I think James Robinson will – continue to trend up as long as he's healthy. uh, He will trend up. He had a great game on Thursday Night Football. That offense was putrid for the first three weeks of the season. It's going to start to click and it's going to go right for James Robinson. So just keep the faith with James Robinson. It is going to work out now. We, We will see more James Robinson type games like we did on Thursday. Wide receiver wise, it's an interesting one because you know, it's it's easy to say like C.D. Lamb, but of course he's going to bounce back. He's C.D. Lamb. Um, the one the one I think has been most disappointing so far is is Robert Woods. Uh, he's sitting at, at wide receiver thirty eight. Uh, he obviously has not been um, not been particularly great. And again, even last week he only got well, against Tampa in week three. He only got thirty three yards, but he did improve uh, this week and he is starting to get more on page with Matt Stafford. And what's happening now is people are starting to zero in that Cooper Cup is the guy you need to cover in this offense, so he's going to draw more coverage, which is why Van Jefferson got touches and broke away and had a good week. It's why Robert Woods will get more coverage because people are starting to... It's what happened two, three years ago with the Rams. People were like, well, we'll cover the deep threat, and then they just let Cooper Cup run right inside, and they went actually, that's not how we beat the Rams. We have to shut down Cooper Cup, take away all the Stafford's uh, underneath throws, and we'll make him beat us. We'll make him beat us with the with the long ball with his dodgy back. And that is, that is how I was won the game. Like We took away all the easy throws and we made him make plays. And listen, Matt Stafford made a lot of plays. He had a very good game. I'm not knocking Matt Stafford at all. But if you take away safety net and you make it difficult for him up the middle... And you take away Cooper Cup out of the game, which is hard to do, but if you can do it, Robert Woods is going to benefit. Van Jefferson's going to benefit. Robert Woods' uh, red zone touches are going to continue to increase. That's a, a big thing because Cooper Cup's been leading those. He's had far more. He's the line share of those red zone touches. You know, he's had nine targets. Um, but Woods is now it caught up with him. He was on nine targets through three games. Huck didn't get any on Sunday. A lot of them went to Robert Woods. He's now up to six. Um, and he's got two touchdowns down there to Cups four. And that is where these touchdowns are going to come for Robert Woods in the red zone. So he is going to get more. We saw it on Sunday he got more red zone usage. He is going to bounce back. If you're a Robert Woods owner and a fan like myself, just keep faith. It's not always going to be pretty. He's going to have some bad weeks but he's not going to finish wide receiver 38. He will finish as a wide receiver two at the minimum and maybe more. Um, How about Robbie Anderson? Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I I might have to, I think the problem with, I think the problem with Robbie Anderson is I don't, well, I don't really know what has happened to Sam Donald. I really thought that he would be throwing the ball uh, a lot more uh, downfield. And that's not really been the case. I mean, Robbie Anderson is is wide receiver 68. And the the biggest problem, I think, for, for Robbie Anderson so far is he's not getting any high value touches. Because what Sam Donald is doing is he's doing something that isn't sustainable, which is he's basically he looks up, he makes a read. And whenever it's play action, he runs. And that he's done a lot more with his legs than I think anyone ever projected. We, we joked about he's a leading rusher in football when it comes to touchdowns. I mean, it's, it's lunacy. And it's also not sustainable because he's not, no disrespect to him, but he is not the athlete of a Kyler Murray, of a Lamar Jackson, of a Trey Lance, of a Jalen Hurts. He's not going to keep, pay, and Josh Allen, he's not going to be that guy all season. It's great now. It's almost like laughable, like a gimmick. But what will happen is teams will start to pick that up and he's going to be forced to make more plays with his arm because he's been great with his arm in the sense of he's been given controlled plays. It's almost like he's on a pre-script. It's almost like they've gone, right, we understand it's a complicated playbook. We're going to basically pre-script the majority of your plays in the game. And we're going to simplify this offense. We're going to make it incredibly simple. Now, that's great for the first four weeks. And to be honest to Carolina, at 3-1, and one, you'd have taken it all day long. But you know what happens when it gets to bye weeks and teams get time to look at all the film? They haven't run a complicated scheme and they haven't run a complicated playbook. So all of a sudden, it, it comes to the fact that if they probably run 40, 50 different variations of play and scheme. If that, teams will figure that out. Because if you haven't got that much on tape, teams will work out, okay, this is what we've got to do. So you're going to have to open the playbook up. Where I misread Robbie Anderson was obviously they paid him. He had that relationship with Darnold, and that has shown in times. But I thought Sam Darnold would have more control on this offense. Whereas right now, he's had virtually no control on the offense. He's not getting to call audibles. He's not getting to um, do a lot of pre-snap motion. He's not getting to really pick his own plays it feels like a lot of it's prescribed and it's prescripted, and it feels like at the moment it's go to your first read if not go take an option route try and extend the play can't do that run for it get a first down go again and that is kind of what's been going on so you never you haven't seen terence Marshall Jr. get the targets i mean he's got about the targets i thought he would get at this stage but i thought robbie Anderson would have a lot more and it's just been low, low stuff to, to DJ Moore. And similar to what I just said to the Rams, they'll pick this up. They'll start to take DJ Moore out of games, and they'll be required to rely on Terence Marshall Jr. and Robbie Anderson more. I think Robbie Anderson will improve. Do I think he gets to where I had him at the start of the season, which is wide receiver fifteen? Probably not. I think he's going to finish somewhere between twenty-four and thirty-six. If the Panthers start to open the playbook. If they don't and they continue with this, well, they're just going to get pummeled because teams will work it out. It's not going to take that long to work out what they've done because I can work it out and I'm an amateur. So uh, (laughs) like at the end of the day, if I can sit here and work it out, they're a far smarter guy. You know, everyone in the NFL is much smarter than me when it comes to this sort of stuff. They would have worked it out. And, And what you saw was Dallas started to pick this up and Dallas aren't a particularly well coached defensive unit. You you would never look at the Dallas Cowboys and go, Oh, well they're a great defense. <laughs> Not over the last couple of years anyway. So when they play you know, they've got to play Tampa twice. Todd Bowles is going to be all over that. Like Todd Bowles is going to look at this. He's going to like be rubbing his hands when he plays Carolina at this stage. So they're going to have to do things differently. And I think that's where we'll see what happens with, with Robbie Anderson. I still think big weeks are to come, but it might take a while. And if people are dropping him right now, I I understand it. Like I would say hold, but I understand people dropping in because you can get the likes of AJ green or, or Emmanuel Sanders. And, and for me, like if, if they're the choices right now, I get it because they're going to have a much safer floor and they're probably going to get, they're all going to be round about the same sort of grouping maybe, but it's more likely that AJ, AJ green and, and Emmanuel Sanders get there over the likes of Robbie Anderson. But I still think Anderson is going to have those big weeks. I would hold him, but I understand that people want to drop him. And and, and again, if Emmanuel Sanders, AJ Green, there, well, I think it's fine. I think you you can you can do that comfortably. But I do think those big weeks will come at some point. Um, any more? Have you got any stash plays? Anyone that you're thinking under the radar guys who haven't produced or haven't broken out yet that you think could could break out?
1: pretty stashed but i mean I'm, i'm looking forward to seeing bateman become fit um i think there's uh there's i mean hollywood brian did score a decent touchdown this week but i still think that wide receiver one spot is is up for grabs there i don't think they fully believe in him um i've got i've got i've got a real um i really like brian edwards this year um and he's the, he's he's kind of like a. St- I'm still waiting for his week to of of going off. I don't know whether it will, but I, I I don't know. I think there's a there's a spot there for 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 a big wide receiver to do to do well. Um, it's just on confidence, I think, and I think it, it, for for Carr, if Carr can establish that Waller relationship with Edwards, which I think he's going to have to, or he's going to have to he's going to have to. Do, um, I mean, he's been so consistent so far, Derek Carr. The way he's the way he's played, his passing's been exceptional. Um, I don't know whether that's fully sustainable. Or, you know, where he sprays the he sprays the ball around to random random players all game, I, and I don't know whether that's that sustainable for the long haul. I still think you, you're going to end up with Waller and one other as the main receiver and uh, so I think Brian Brian Edwards could break out and I'm I'm liking what I see from Michael Carter as well. It it the Jets have got a feeling that you know once if if Zach fully settles and pushes on from, from his performance from week four I think that'll that'll open up the running lanes a little bit more because at the moment it's still it's still forcing him to throw um but but again once he finds his feet fully he should be fine, which will open up the chance for Michael Carter to maybe create a name for himself.
2: Yeah, I definitely like both of those plays. I think they're, they're players to definitely keep an eye on. Um, I also like Hunter Renfro in um, in Vegas, for very similar reasons yeah. to Brian Edwards. I think both those guys, I'd have both of those guys over Ruggs uh, right yeah. now. And I know Ruggs is the flashy first-round pick, but I fancy Renfro and Edwards to be more consistent. Uh, and maybe I think they can share a role, maybe it will fluctuate I think one of those guys will end up winning the, the primary job it could be Edwards, it could be Renfro, right now I'd say it's an absolute coin flip but I don't see it being Ruggs that's the, that's what I do see, I think Ruggs is a gadget trick play, deep ball threat I think he's going to have usage but he's not he's like d he's going to have like, games yeah. where he catches 3 for 129 and 1 but he's going to have games where really he catches like one for, for nine. Like that's what's going to happen um, with him. The guys I like to break out, I keep mentioning Terrence Marshall Jr. I think it will happen for the same reasons I just talked about that. But another one I talked about for a few weeks now, and in fact we've probably missed the window on, is, is is Darnell Mooney. Um, I, I I said to people I really like Darnell Mooney with Justin Fields I feel this, this this matchup sort of really made sense to pair them I think maybe even more so than with Alan Robinson I know Alan Robinson is an elite wide receiver uh, but Donald Meaney is kind of the future at this franchise in terms of the wide receiver position I don't think Robinson's going to be there next year and I think Justin Fields is getting on a page I mean we saw this seven targets five catches 125 yards touchdown um so if uh, I know he didn't get a touchdown but um I think we kind of missed the window, but he's someone who I think will, I would have said he was under the radar, but maybe he's not so much uh, anymore. Uh, other players, I, I, you know, the one thing I, I, I'm really keen to see happen is, is someone like Jalen Rager to break out for the Eagles, because I think something like that needs to happen. Um, and Kendrick Bourne, believe it or not, is someone that I've been keeping an eye on. He's getting quite a few targets every week from... For Mac Jones, I don't know if it's enough to be sustainable, so I'm not saying I'm predicting this to be like an amazing thing to happen with Kendrick Bourne. But would it shock me that he ends up with more fancy points than Jacoby Myers? I'm not sure it would, but I'm not sure if it's enough to be fancy relevant. But that's what I'm keeping my eye on. A uh, quick question from uh, Someone who posted this a while ago from um, uh, Michael Chap here, and he's asked, I'm down 49 points. Uh, in fancy, and I have Herbert and Allen left to play. You think I would pull it off? Um, first of all, I don't know you scoring. I'm going to just assume it's PPR. <laughs> PPR. You,
1: you I would hope say you got PPR? maybe. Well,
2: yeah. I'd say you got maybe a twenty percent chance of that happening. I think it could happen. Like it wouldn't shock me, but I'd, I wouldn't have that as a as a favorite. I think you need to get effectively thirty from Herbert and twenty from Allen. And uh, so you, to do that, you're needing Herbert to have a four-touchdown game, Allen to catch two of them. That's effectively what you need. I mean, it's, it's in the range of outcomes.
1: This Vegas, I wouldn't i it's wouldn't, been wouldn't say...
2: all right. It really has, considering they rebuilt it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, they've done all right. But, yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't say it was a gimme, but I would say it's... Uh, I would say it's it's possible but unlikely. I think that's where I'd leave it with that. Um that'll do it. Now appreciate you coming on, my man. Um tell everyone at Rush Nation if they don't know where to find you they should, uh where they can interact with you, where they can find the IDP podcast, uh and where they can just chat chat ball with you and uh rub your faces in your uh Arizona <laughs> misery right now. <laughs> yeah. John um, Paul was gonna want to do this, so Yeah um
1: yeah at nato nfl on twitter that's where you can hit me up and obviously the the five yard idp podcast on this channel um yeah thanks very much Murph, for having me on been an absolute pleasure mate
2: right, i loved it i loved you coming on we'll get you back on at some point uh Rush Nation, the wave wire podcast is going to come on hopefully after this uh if not long not long after um uh, and then we're back tomorrow. We've got dynasty podcast and um, we've got the DFS uh, fan team season long podcast. We're at the game show with one of my very, very good friends on, on, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, well, a guy, I love literally at the bottom of my heart. I'm uh, very excited to have him on very good friend debut on the podcast and, uh, fellow Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. So I'm very excited to have him on. Um, I am two and one in the game show. I did pull off the, the, we're less of a shock than the week before, but um, it does mean that Simo is on his own in the grand final. So we need to start filling some chairs there. And then uh, Thursday, uh, Nathan will be back with the IDP show. Uh, and we'll also have the matchups pod. So, you know, make sure you tune in to Nathan on Thursdays, the podcast, he drops is on Friday, uh, that would just get you ready for the weekend with everything you need to know about your IDP matchups. And trust me, it's brilliant. There's a lot of information. I listen and rely on a lot of that when I'm even thinking and doing my rankings. So, um, I couldn't give this man higher praise than, uh, he influences my fantasy pro rankings. So <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty... <laughs> there you go. Um, you're a smart man, you know, and I've, I've loved having you part of the family. You've you know people sit here and say you know you really family? i think i think we are we're really close we chat every day What's that being down has been hurtful <laughs> because we've not had to communicate God knows as much. what's going um, on. <laughs> i know worrying what's going on maybe they shut it down because we've been exchanging too many messages but probably. um we're gonna get more family on definitely we'll probably do a family podcast around around christmas and everyone's faces will appear and you can see everyone but do subscribe to to Nathan and to everyone there because uh, him and Bren, and Bren's a longtime friend of yours, isn't he? You've been friends with Bren a long time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, best man at each other's weddings.
2: That's worrying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to need to hear some best man speeches uh, stories as well <laughs> offline. But Rush Nation, don't forget to check out Manscaped.com for all of your below the Men's, uh belt grooming needs. Uh, use the code 5YARD for 20% off and yeah just get in touch with the network uh subscribe to all the podcasts we're flying high right now thank you to everyone who has contributed content wise or just being part of the patreon or just even just getting in touch and asking questions we really do uh, appreciate your interaction we've had an unbelievable month to start the year far beyond any of our wildest expectations and we continue to grow those of you that are going to the games on Sunday I think Nathan you're going to be there aren't you I think a few of the five old guys are going to be there I am not going to be there um, I made a decision months ago to, to not go um, because that's right for my family and there's no judgments to anybody going or not going but I made a decision with my family to, to not go I also knew I'd be moving house around about now and it's a little bit later than planned but um, given the fact that I'll be doing that Will no doubt be taking up a lot of my time over the next few weeks. So, um, yeah, that that's played a massive part of it as well. But until uh, later on in the week, Rush Nation, thanks for tuning in, thanks for stopping by, and don't forget, as always, keep rushing.